Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. It's good to be in the house of God. You know, our vision here at Authentic Church is that this would be a place where you would encounter God and discover community and fulfill God's call in your life. And we say that often because it's so important to us um, that if you're, if you're new to this place, we just want to let you know who we are right off the bat. We're a, a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. Uh, we need the presence of God in our lives. Amen. And we stand on the word. So we're encountering God through our time of worship today, which was so beautiful. Thank you, worship team, for stewarding those moments so well. Um, And we're going to encounter God through the word of God today. So let's pray, and we're going to dive into the word. I hope you came uh, ready to eat, uh, because there's a lot of scriptures, a lot of meat that we're going to be bringing today, all right? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our path. God, I thank you. Your word is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. God, that you pierce and divide spirit and soul. God, I thank you that you said in your word that we shouldn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And so, Lord, your children have gathered today not to hear a man speak. We've gathered today to hear you speak. And God, I believe you got a word for every single person here under the sound of my voice. So Lord, we ask, speak, Lord. Your children are listening in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you've been with us now, we've gone through a series that we titled Biblical Keys to Financial Breakthrough. And we've been taking a look at what the Bible has to say about finances, how we steward finances, and why that's important to God. Actually, if you looked at all the sermons that Jesus preached, and if you read through and studied them, you would find that the, 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 uh, the number one thing that he preached and taught about was actually money. And it wasn't love, it wasn't grace, it wasn't truth, it wasn't mercy. All those things are great, but it seemed like as you read through, it's like he kept going back there. And the question is, why? Anytime I read something in the scripture, I, I like to observe it and I take it in, but then I ask, okay, but why? Why, why, why was this such a big deal? And then how does this apply to my life? What's the application of this, right? So we read, we listen, we hear from God, and we obey. So we've been going through this. And really what, what birthed this is we were uh, going through a sermon series called Mountains and Valleys uh, as we came out of the summertime. And we took a poll in the middle of service. First time we'd ever done that. We took a poll in the middle of service. And we just said, hey, what, what's the number one giant that you just kind of feel like you you do pretty well, but it just keep, kind of keeps coming at you. Um, was it relationships? Is it addictions? Um, was it finances, etc.? And by and large, the most popular answer to that question was finances. And so we, we begin to break down, okay, what, is, what does God have to say about this? Because when you take a look at the people of God, you cannot help but see how they were blessed when they followed his ways. And, and we, we spoke last week, you know, about the, you know, blessings from God that you see physical blessings in people's lives. Just because somebody has something doesn't mean it's a blessing of God unless it does. That there's times throughout the Bible you read where God physically provided for people and blessed them in supernatural ways. And the blessing 
wasn't just uh, a blessing in the heart, but it was a blessing physically. They physically received blessings. God blessed Abraham. God blessed Isaac. God blessed Jacob. God blessed Joseph. God blessed uh, King David, God blessed Solomon, and you see these blessings that came upon people's lives. And so we talked last week on the God of, of abundance. And uh, uh, at the end of the message last week, I, it wasn't in my notes, I wasn't planning on it, but as I was sharing, I just felt stirred to pray for people that n- needed a vehicle. Uh, now, mind you, I just want to make sure that we preface this. It's not like, you know, blab it and grab it, lay hands on a Cadillac. It's, I'm not talking about that. But there are times, how many of you know, if you've gone through challenges with your vehicle or your vehicle not running, you pray, God, will you help me with this vehicle right now, right? We had some cars in our house that we anointed with oil about a quarter week. You know what I mean? <laughs> And there's times where you go through challenges and you say, Lord, I need your help. And so we just felt in the moment in the middle of service to pray literally for people that needed vehicles and, or needed help with their cars. And so it's like, why not? God's a God of abundance. Let's pray and ask him. If somebody has a sincere need, let's pray. And so as we're praying, I had no idea uh, that our good friends, uh, Ryan and Annie Dalby, were here. They were, they were dealing with a crisis with a vehicle that morning. In fact, Ryan was stuck down in Oceanside, San Diego area on a camping trip and couldn't get home because this car was having issues. And so literally Annie, I have no idea about this, Annie stands up in service to receive prayer for a vehicle and we're praying. And so anyways, long story short, we hear about it and then it ended up being that it was only like a $50 part to fix the vehicle and in the midst of it, as they were trying to figure out what they were gonna do, a family member said, hey, we don't need our hybrid vehicle that's really good on gas mileage and gas is like, you know, expensive through the roof, like donate a kidney to pay for a gallon of gas. Like, you know, we don't have need of it. You guys can use it until May. So not only did their car get fixed for whatever $50, but then they also got provided a car that's gonna be a financial blessing on their gas mileage. So, I mean, God just shows up and he works in mysterious ways. And I'm telling you that if you have a need, if it matters to you, like it matters to God, And sometimes we can get too dicey in the scriptures and we try to decipher this, that, and the other, and which is good. I'm I'm saying good. You need to be a Berean. You need to study the scriptures. You need to know what the word of God says. But there's times where you got to back up and you got to remind yourself, God is a loving father. He's a loving father. And he is a father that he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Like, he, he is a God of abundance. And it's, there's nothing wrong with you as his son or his daughter saying, God, I, I could really use your help in this area. I could really use your help in this situation in my finances and in relationships. Forget finances for a moment. I could really use your help in this area of my heart where I'm just, I don't know that I really trust you with my heart. I, I don't know that I really... I really trust you in this area. I want to. Lord, help me trust you with this relationship. Help me trust you with my school. Help me trust you in my marriage. Help me trust you with my kids. I want to trust you. I, I need help in that area. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it's so beautiful that God is your loving father. He loves to come into those moments. And so if you're sitting here today, I just want to encourage you with that thought And maybe that's the only reason you came to church today is God just needed to remind you, hey, son, I love you. My daughter, I love you. That he's got plans for your life. And so 
You know, in Matthew 6, 26, Jesus says, you know, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I, I think sometimes in my life, if I look back on living for God now for 25 years plus, a lot of times I thought too small a God. I... I reduced God down to what I could understand and what I could put into a box. And my three-pound brain just can't contain Almighty God with all of his power, all of his might, all of his provision. Like, you, we can't even begin to comprehend and understand. And, and hopefully, today, that God begins to open some things up in our minds and that we grow in knowledge of him, but not just knowledge, that you really have a transformative moment with God where you begin to see him and know him in the scriptures. So last week we talked about the God of abundance, and he is. And another characteristic of God that I love is his faithfulness. Faithfulness, uh, the, the, the Hebrew word for that is imuna, and, and it literally means firmness or a type of security. And from a morality standpoint, faithfulness speaks to regard to fidelity, that God is faithful to his children. Can anybody attest to the fact that God's been faithful to you? Has he been faithful in this house? Come on. How many times were you felt like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know how. And God was faithful to come through. He's a faithful God. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know what, Jeff? He, we were talking about this subject. He said, you know what? He goes, God answers every one of my prayers. And I said, time out, bro. What do you mean God answers everyone? He goes, God answers every one of my prayers because I know how to receive when he tells me no. And a lot of times we don't want to hear no. I don't like hearing no, <laughs> right? Our kids don't want to hear no, right? And there's times where the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes, but not yet. And that's okay too. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he, God, remains faithful, meaning he's true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. In other words, you can trust God in all areas of your life, including in your finances. And four things stand out to me when you look at the faithfulness of God in the Bible. Number one, God exists. Like God is real. He, he really exists. Number two, God communicates with individuals and he makes promises to them. You see it all throughout the scripture. God would make, communicate to them. He would make them a promise. Sometimes the promise was conditional. I call it the if-thens. If you look in the Bible, you see if you do X, Y, Z, then I will do X, Y, Z, right? He says, I call them if-thens. It's a conditional promise. So number one, God exists. Number two, God communicates with individuals and he makes promises to them. Number three, God has the power to keep the promises he makes. Number four, God may be relied upon to keep promises. You can rely on him. And the question really becomes this. Do I take God at his word? Do I really believe him? Do I really take him at his word? And, and believing and receiving from God really stems from reverence. Do I revere him? Do I honor him as God? Or am I going to step in and I'm going to be God? Because I don't trust that you're going to work it out, so I'm going to work that out. 
which never works out, <laughs> okay? What is reverence? Reverence is honor and respect that is deeply felt and outwardly demonstrated. Do I, do I revere God? Do I honor him? Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. You are a spirit first with a soul in a body. This is your earth suit. Some of us, our earth suits, man, we, we think they're gonna last forever. They won't, even in Orange County. Your earth suit gonna wear out at some point, right? You can only do Botox so long, right? You know, some point the earth suit's gonna wear out. You're, you're, you're a spiritual being having a human experience. So if that be the case, if I'm truly a spiritual being, then that means when I communicate with God, I'm communicating in a way that's spiritual, not just physical. But the spiritual encounters that I have with God lead to things in the natural. And so when talking about, about finances and really looking at money, you have to look at money as the fact that it's a tool to accomplish spiritual things. It's not just a tool for physical things, it's a tool for spiritual things. Money is to the natural realm what the anointing is to the spiritual realm. It's a way to get things done. It's a way to get things done. How many of you know like a, a missionary in an, in an area or another country, there's, I mean, you know, it used to be 50 years ago, we'd send missionaries to other areas of the world and, you know, um, you'd send them to, you know, Mexico and Africa and Latin America and different places and we would go, but now we're actually sending missionaries to the United States of America, right? And even to California, God is sending missionaries to California, right? We is them. God is sending them to California. But how many, how many of you know a missionary and wouldn't it be a joy if you were in a position to bless them financially when they came up against the need? Like there, there's, a, there's a ministry that a friend of ours supports down in the Dominican Republic. It's an orphanage and this pastor is doing an incredible work, training up leaders, doing street ministry, like he is transforming this region. And a friend of mine was down there on a trip is a successful business guy, and, and he was helping them actually with a construction project. He's a construction guy, he's a GC, he understands construction and building, etc. And so he was down there and he was working with a crew of men and they're building houses and everything. And he gets to talking with this pastor and he says, Hey, share with me your vision. Like what like we're building this, you know, school for you guys, but really, like, what's the big vision? Like, help unpack that for me. And the pastor's eyes light up, and man, he just has this fire inside of him, and he shares with him a vision. I call it shovel-ready vision. When somebody asks, what's your vision? If you can't say it right then and there, you need to get prepared for that moment because a lot of times when people ask that question, they're gonna be in a place to be able to help you with that. And so this, this guy, the business friend of mine, asked the pastor, the pastor lights up, man, he has shovel-ready vision. And he begins to share all these different things that he would do if he could, et cetera, and that they're praying and believing it, et cetera. And so my buddy said, well, how much would that cost? And so the guy tells him, and so at the end of the week, my friend said, hey, uh, I, I need to have a conversation with you. So I have a meeting. He says, I was so impressed by your vision. Not only do I want to pay your vision, I actually want to fund your salary um, every year. So you don't have to worry about working anymore because he was, he was uh, bivocational. And he goes, I, I want to fund your salary. All I ask, 
my, my only request is one thing you would do for me. And the guy's like, anything. Like, like uh, you know, you're, you're being so generous. What, what do you need me to do? He said, I just want you to pray for me. Would you pray for me and my family every day? That's all I ask. And the pastor's like, I could do that. <laughs> and so that man, that business friend of mine, has literally funded that ministry for years and years now. Fast forward, they have multiple schools. They have multiple orphanages. They're doing an incredible work, literally transforming areas of the Dominican Republic. Where did that begin? It began with my friend just simply saying, Lord, I want to be obedient to what your word says. I want to steward your resources well. And I believe that when I take everything that I have and I put it in the hand of the master, that it's going to multiply. And it has. Money is simply a tool to accomplish kingdom purposes. Good reminder is this. You don't get your self-worth from your net worth. You get our self-worth from who your dad is. You don't get your self-worth from your net worth. You get your self-worth from who your dad is. And again, we're not chasing blessings. We're chasing faithfulness. But God is faithful in the fact that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he also says that what you sow, you're going to reap. That there are some physical aspects to leaning in and chasing after the Lord from a spiritual perspective. If God can get something through you, he will make a way to get it to you. The challenge sometimes is we go in a season of life and we feel like, man, I don't have much, so we're holding on to every little thing, right? And some of you, you are budgeters, man. You are, where are my spreadsheet people at? Like, you spreadsheet people, I love you. I hate spreadsheets. I have a great budgeting tool that's my, it does the spreadsheet for me. I can't stand it. Having to sit down and do accounting long periods of time, like my eyes go red, my hair loses, you know, falls out. It's challenging, right? Some of you people, you love the budgeting and spreadsheets. The challenge is, for those of, those of you that are more inclined that way, you can become to on, holding on and, and, and you, you, you hold on to things so tightly that when God moves on your heart to release something, it's like, oh, that's not in my budget, Lord. <laughs> Lord's like, I know, I'm gonna interrupt your budget. I know, I'm gonna interrupt this moment, right? If God can get something through you, he will get something to you. And we, uh, we, when we were beginning this series, as I was praying, I was praying in the spirit one morning, and um, this is about a month ago when we launched into this, I was praying in the Spirit, and the the Holy Spirit dropped this simple reminder into my heart, and it's this. Hear and obey, sow and pray, reap and rest. That this little phrase, and biblically you can break it down, theologically, doctrinally, this is very correct, okay? You can go study it out yourself. But when you take a look at the pattern of God in people's lives, it was simple. They would hear and they would obey. So here, whatever God tells me to do, he tells me in his word, and then he tells me he's, I'm led by his spirit, so I hear from God, and then I obey. And part of my obedience then leads to sowing and reaping. So if I hear and obey, then I'm going to pray for different people in my world, in my life. I'm praying, and then I'm going to begin sowing seeds of the gospel, sowing seeds of encouragement into their lives, and then I believe that I'm going to reap a harvest, and then I'm going to rest. Hear and obey, sow and pray, reap and rest. It's a pattern you see throughout the scriptures. Jesus said this in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. James 1, said this, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
A lot of times we just want to hear from God or, you know, I, when I was in my 20s, we would do these uh, all 24-hour prayer night burns and we would, we would pray and worship 24-7. And literally there was a summer, and this is when I met Fawn, where was a summer where we were in the prayer room every night for six weeks straight. And it wasn't like the church had scheduled something. It wasn't like that at all. It was just a bunch of us that said, I'm hungry for more of God. Are you? Yes. Why don't we just get together and pray? Why don't we just, uh, just can somebody, can you play worship? Cool. You come and sing some songs. And we, we you know, it was back in, in the days where you had the, um, uh, what is the, where they projected it on there, the, the old projector and then the clear transparencies. Thank you. And, and you'd have somebody there that was, instead of running the, the pro presenter in the back, like my man Holland is doing today, instead of clicking through, you'd literally have somebody sitting down right there. And it's like, okay, they're done with that flip. Okay. And they'd get it down quick. And now they're singing the course. Okay. Flip, you know, and they, you know, like old school. And so there's just a group of us young people. We we're just on fire for the things of God. And, and so we would literally just pray and worship. Sometimes we had words, sometimes we had didn't. And, and there was a moment in that season where man, I just wanted to pray. I just wanted to sit in worship. And I think that's good. I think you need seasons like that. But then there's a time where it's like, okay, it's time to get to work, son. And that's where you get to go to work with your dad. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says this, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying him? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Isaiah 119, speaking of obedience. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So this is a great example. When you read through the scriptures, that's a great example of an instruction from the Lord followed by a promise. So he says, hey, he's inviting you into this. He's saying, if you're willing and obedient, if that's you, then guess what? You're gonna eat the good of the land if you're willing and obedient. John 14, 23, <clears throat> Jesus answered him. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We hear, we obey, we sow and pray, we reap and rest. And I love this scripture out of Luke 12, uh, 12 verse 31. It says this, he will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. He will always give you all you need from day to day if you'll make the kingdom of God your primary concern. If you're here today and you're in a situation financially where you have some needs, this is a word of God to you. Make the kingdom of God, like, like go all in. Like whatever, whatever that looks like, go all in. Share the gospel with your neighbor. Go and pray for that person. What little you do think you have, maybe the Lord would say, I want you to sow that. I want you to give that to somebody. I remember my wife and I, we were in a season when we had first, um, we had gone, we've, we've, we've helped and done ministry now for a long time and we were helping with a church plant and we were, we were broke. Uh, there's a difference, by the way, between being poor and being broke. Poor is a state of mind. Broke is just a, a state of the moment. And so we just didn't have a lot of money. And I remembered we, we helped with this church plant and we just thought, Lord, we're just gonna trust you and believe you at your word. So we were tithing and we wanted to give an offerings. And so literally we would have like sometimes five, 10, 20 bucks. If we had a $20 bill to give away, like it was like gold. And so we would put it in a purple envelope 
and we would write a note in the card and for somebody, we would pray and just ask, Lord, what would you want us to, whoever you want us to give this to, we want it to be spirit-led in our giving, would you just give us a word for them? Give us a prophetic word for them. And so we would, we would write out that prophetic word and we'd put it in the envelope and then we'd go to church and it was kind of like, okay, who is it, Lord? Who is it? And it was exciting and it was fun to look for somebody to bless. And then, and then somebody, you know, get highlighted to us and I'd say, Vaughn, I feel like we should give it to that person right there. You know, that person over there in worship. She's like, yeah, I do too. Okay, let's give it to him. So then we'd pass it to the usher and the usher would be the stealth, you know, mode of, of generosity there. And the usher would give it to them. And and, uh, and we would sit in the back and just kind of watch them, you know, open it up. And then when they look around the room, you're like, you know, you pretend like you don't see them. You know? And it was so much fun. And can I tell you, like, from that heart of generosity, the Lord, you know, we went through a challenging time financially, but then the Lord would really bless us financially. And that $20 bill turned into a 50, turned into a hundred, et cetera. And there's, and, that, and that's not, I'm, I'm not saying that for myself. I'm saying that from the principal standpoint of when you're faithful in the little, like you, you see it as little, like, Somebody, you could be in this room today, you're like, what's 20 bucks? Another person, you could say, oh my gosh, if I only had 20 bucks. It's all perspective. It's subjective, right? Depending on where you're at. But he'll always give you all you need from day to day if you'll make the kingdom of God your primary concern. God gives us finances that are in proportion to our assignment. Money in and of itself is not good or bad. It's, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, right? If, if money was so bad, then, then if you look at Job's life, why is it, if money's so bad, why is it that that was the one thing that Satan removed, one of the things that Satan removed from Job's life? If money is so bad, then why at the end, after that testing, did God restore back to Job finances and bless him financially? We don't love money, we steward it. When we steward money well, God multiplies what's in our hands to be a blessing to others. And here's this, affluence is for influence, income is for impact, prosperity has a purpose. Affluence is for influence, income is for impact, prosperity has a purpose. And real prosperity is, def is, is defined by how much we give away. It's not how much we get. There was a uh, research that was done in 2019 by Pew Research Center, and they did a study of the happiest people in society. And they looked at common demographics and what makes them so happy. You know who the happiest people, according to this independent secular study was? It was Christian. Why are Christians so happy? Why is it? Because Christians, if, especially if you're truly modeling after God, Christians should be the happiest because they have a right reflection of the fact that God so loved the world that he gave and that when we give, then we, in that spirit of generosity, we actually take on a characteristic, a trait of our God. Jesus said it's actually more blessed to give than it is to receive. There's joy that comes through giving. Ever give somebody a present and you're like so excited? I, I got a present yesterday from my parents. I can't tell you what it is because they might be watching this. But uh, I got a present. I was just at a store and I happened to see this perfect little gift that I can't tell you about. And, and my parents are coming into town and I thought, man, it's, I'm so excited for them. To, and this is just a small thing but I know that it'll mean a lot to them and I'm so excited to watch them open it. There's joy inside of you that gets released when you release what's in your hands to release. So my assignment today is really to lay out three areas of generosity where God asks us to partner with him in the Bible. And uh, if you're new to Authentic Church, just so you know, um, uh, we're not 
we're not taking up an offering today. Um, one of our standards here at Authentic Church, we don't pass the, perver- the proverbial bucket, if you will, um, because we just simply believe that as Christians, we're called to live in obedience to God's word. So if God says it, we do it, it's done, okay? So God says to tithe, we tithe. If God leads us in generosity and offerings, I'm sure you're gonna be obedient to that and follow the leading of the Lord. Like, so we don't do that. We do offerings three times a year. The first offering we do in January, and that goes to Israel. The second offering we do is in uh, September, and that's really a thank offering. Uh, that's our anniversary offering where we just say, God, we just thank you so much for all the blessings of your life. That positions us from a budgetary standpoint to finish the year strong. And then in December, we have what we call our legacy offering. And that's where as uh, our, our anniversary offering, we're looking back and we're reflecting on all the things that God had done in our lives. When it comes to the legacy offering, we're looking forward to all the things that he's calling us to reach for in the coming of year. And so uh, the three areas that God asked us to partner with him in is tithes, offerings, and alms for the poor. And you know, the Bible says that his people perish for a lack of knowledge. And there's a lot of people right now in the body of Christ who are perishing financially just because they just don't know. And uh, I actually had a totally different message prepared for today. And this morning, God woke me up and he changed the trajectory, changed the course of that message, uh, added on to it. And I really felt like God wanted me to give you a strong Bible doctrine uh, level of instruction on finances. So again, we're not taking up an offering. We're not gonna do anything like that. As a pastor, as a leader of this house, I pray this is gonna be a blessing to you for the body of Christ. I believe that this would be a blessing to them, anybody that's gonna watch or listen to this. But this is one of those messages I would call a life message. Uh, I, I, through the years as I grew up and in, in, in began to know the Lord uh, in my late 20s, Anytime that I heard a message where it was like really, really impactful and powerful, I would categorize it, tag it, and I would save it as a quote-unquote life message. And a lot of those life messages or podcasts now, I would go back to and listen to every year. I just go back and it'd be a good refresher, you know? I pray that this message would be one of those for you, that it would be a life message, a refresher. And, And so when you look at, the Bible, the Lord says, everything belongs to him. Psalms 24 verse one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So if everything belongs to the Lord, that means it doesn't belong to me. (laughs) If everything belongs to God, I'm just the steward. If my wife belongs to the Lord, if my children belong to the Lord, I'm just trying to be a good steward, be a good husband, be a good father. If the finances that I have truly belong to him, then I'm simply a manager. I'm a steward, and I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful steward. You you managed what I gave you well on this earth. As a pastor, I want to steward the vision and the people of authentic church. I want to steward my health well. I want to take care of my body. I want to steward stewardship. It's a principle in the Bible, and it applies to our finances. So those three areas, again, are tithes, offerings, and alms for the poor. Two of them are invitations from God to partner with him. One of them is actually a command. And and every word in scripture, it's either a truth or a command. 
So it's a truth in the fact that here's a promise, hold on to, or this is truth, this is exactly what happened, and you know, you read some facts, etc. But a command is something that God's telling me to physically do. And God never asks you to do something that you don't have the power to do. In the world of finance, in the realm of finances, he'll never ask you to give something that you don't have the ability to give. If sometimes it's stretching, I call it ouch offerings. It's what those offerings God tells me to give and I feel it. I'm like, ah, is that really you, Lord? I need to pray about it and throw a fleece out three times, four times, five times. Is that really God, you know? Like there, there's some times where he might stretch you, but every time he asks you to do something, he's gonna give you the power to actually do it. And so the scriptures are either a truth or a command. God doesn't suggest that it would be a good idea for me to be faithful to my wife, okay? God commands me to be faithful to my wife on, right? And, and, and God tells me, actually, I want, you to, I want you to lay down your life. I want you to love her like Christ loved the church. Like, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard, married men, right? It's, it's hard, right? I, I, it's not a suggestion for me to be faithful. It's a command in Scripture. That command comes with blessings that follow. When we obey God, he blesses our obedience. When we disobey God, he corrects our disobedience. So the three areas that God asks us to partner with him in is tithes, offerings, and alms for the poor. And before we unpack this, I just want to pose this question, why? Why, if God owns everything, why would God in his scripture institute the tithe, institute offerings, and institute alms for the poor? Like, why would God do that? Like, these are the conversations I have with God when I'm sitting down. And I literally talk to him like he's sitting in the chair next to me. Sometimes I actually picture God sitting down next to me and I say, God, why did you do this? And we have a conversation about it. And he leads me into the scriptures about different things. Why would God ask us? For those of you that have kids, let me ask you this. Would you want your kids to be generous? Yes, of course, right? Why? If you've seen families that are, where the kids are generous, like there's kindness, uh, they don't hold anything as their own, they love to share, right? Like, you know, like it, it, that's a, it's a beautiful scene when you see a family where their kids are generous. You're like, oh, this feels good. When you see kids that are hoarders and like everything's mine and you can't touch that, you kind of, it's a repellent, right? You don't want to be around, you don't want your kids playing with those kids all the time because it's like, man, don't touch their toys because they're going to freak out if anything happens to that Lego, right? You know, so, but when there's generosity in the room, you feel safe, you feel like you can let your guard down. That's the same thing in the family of God. So why does God tell us to do this? And then, and then the Lord begins to unpack things throughout the scriptures that you see the pattern of the tithe. And I'm going to go, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about it. I'm only going to hone in on a few of them today. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says this. This is probably one of the most famous quoted passages of scripture in the Bible when it comes to tithes. And rightly so. The book of Malachi was written at a time where the children of Israel were returning back to God. So they had come out of exile and they were going and they were reestablishing and they were building houses and they were planting vineyards and they're having kids and they're doing all these things. And then the Lord was like, time out. Like there was a pattern before you were led away to exile. There was a pattern that led you into exile and you're repeating that. And the pattern was this. You think you're God when I'm God. You think 
all these different things are important. When I'm telling you, if you will make me the most important thing, I will add to you all these different areas of your lives. And so the prophet comes and, and he delivers a word to them and he's sharing with them. And really the word, it's a command, but it's also an invitation to get back right with God. Let, let's lay a new foundation. If we're really gonna last as a nation, the prophet's saying, we need to get them some things straight. So Malachi chapter three, verse 80 says this, will a mere mortal man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. That's, that's the Lord's words. That's not Pastor Jeff. This isn't an amplified, this, this is the word of the Lord. He's saying, you've been robbing me. And then he tells them this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there won't be room enough to store it in. Can you just hear the cry of the Father? He's saying, I just want you to trust me. I, I want to establish some things in your life, and I want to pour out blessings on you. But if I'm not first, if all these other things are first, you're going to fall into the same pattern that you fell into before, and you're going to fall into exile. You're going to be separated from me. But if you'll make me first, if you'll put me first place in every area of your life, I'm telling you, blessing is going to flow. Would you trust me? It's this invitation from God as the Father saying, I want you to come. I want you to trust me. And really tithing, it's not so much a thing of the finances as it is a thing of the heart. Like I remember when I started tithing, somebody told me like, well, you know, in Christianity and when you read through the Bible and in Judaism, they actually would honor the Lord by giving 10% of their income. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you're nuts. Like, I grew up Catholic, man. Like, we, if anything, we tipped the priest. Like, <laughs> like giving 10% of my income to the church, I think you're bananas, you know? And then I had somebody literally just walk me through the scriptures, kind of like what I'm doing today, and you see the pattern of it, and really the Lord says, if you will put me first, if you will honor me in every area of your life, I'm gonna bless it. If you put me first in your marriage, that marriage is gonna be blessed. If you put me first in how you parent your kids, kids are gonna be blessed. If you'll, be, if you'll put me first when you go to that job, your job's gonna be blessed. If you put me first in the area of your finances, your finances are gonna be blessed. The word tithe simply means a tenth. So when God says to bring our tithes to him, what he's saying is a tenth of what we earn belongs to him. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now we can read that, and a lot of us here, we're not farmers. <laughs> so we're like, okay, a tithe from everything in the land. I'm good. I don't, I don't, if I grew, if I grew apples on an apple tree, I would give you the first apple, Lord, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not a farmer. So no, what this referred to, that was an, that was an aspect of their economy of commerce that they would trade, that they would barter with, that they would sell in the market. The Lord's saying a first of the increase of everything that you produce. He says it belongs to him. It's holy to the Lord. Like it's holy, it's set apart. Again, looking at it from the standpoint of everything that I have is his. I'm just a steward. Jesus even talked about the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. He says to the Pharisees, this is the only thing that he said that was good about them. He said, yes, you should tithe. 
In other translations, it says, yes, it's good that you tithe. It was like the only compliment that he gave the religious leaders of the day. You're doing this good. That's great. Awesome. But you guys suck in all these other areas of your life. Like you know, Jesus just rips them, calls them out. That's the Jeff Peterson version. Jesus didn't actually say that, just for the record. But that's kind of what he said there. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So go back to Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there be me, may be food in my house. Well, what's the storehouse? It says it right there in the scripture. When he says to bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house, well, what's the storehouse? The storehouse is his house. What's his house? His house is the church. The storehouse is what's the local church that you're a part of where you go and actually receive from, eat from? That's where the tithe goes. Let me just break it down in a real simple way. Um, if you work a 40-hour work week, this is the simplicity of the tithe. If you work a 40-hour work week, the first four hours are dedicated to the Lord. That's it. So when you show up to work on Monday from eight to noon, you just say, Lord, these four hours are for you. And it's an honor. God, you've blessed me with this job. You've blessed me with a place to go to work. You've blessed me with the means to create income. It's my joy to honor you. Simple. My family and I, we um, will tithe as a family, actually. Um, I started doing this when I launched into my own company. And I would gather the kids around. And I would, I would bring them in and let them know our financial situation. And I think there's health in doing that. You gotta be careful if you're going through a really, really rocky time financially, maybe how much you share with your kids because you don't want them to feel that suddenly that there's a lack of confidence and they get freaked out and deal with anxiety if you're going through a difficult time. But uh, we weren't at that time, but we were preparing to launch this business. And so we brought the kids in, we shared with them where our finances were, how mom and dad were doing and what we were believing for. And so I would leave the door in launching this company and my kids would be my prayer warriors, praying that dad gets a deal. And then every time that we had a win, we celebrated as a family. And every time that we got paid out on a job and we'd calculate out what our profit was at the end of a job, at the end of a project, then I'd come to tell the kids, you guys, we, the Lord blessed us with X amount of dollars and we get to tithe on that. And it was a celebration. And we would come together as a family and we'd pray and we'd thank God. And then we would tithe. We do it electronically. That's the way I like to do it. Some people like to write checks or whatever. Um, and, and we would do that as a family. And then as that number grew, they got to see firsthand the blessing of God as he led us in this journey and the faithfulness of God. I'm gonna hit on a couple uh, FAQs, frequently asked questions in regards to generosity that I, that I, I get a lot and I've, I've had as I've led and mentored other people in, in regards to finances and business. And one of the questions that I get is, do I tithe on the gross or the net? And I, I think that's a great question. I think that's a fair question. Do I tithe on the gross or the net? Um, and I, I asked that one time. That was one of my first questions. It's like, okay, what, do I tithe on the gross or the net? And I had this business guy ask me, he goes, well, do you want the blessing on the net or the gross? And I, I'm like, well, the gross, but that number's bigger than the net. You know? <laughs> and, and really, when you unpack it and you look at the tithe, they would tithe, 
before they would pay their debts. They would tithe before they would pay their taxes. They would tithe before all these other things. So it lends itself to the understanding that they would tithe based on the gross, not, not the net. Another question that I get, what if I, what if I tithe, but I take that 10% and I'm helping missionaries or I'm uh, helping uh, ministries that I support? And, and Fauna and I, we're, we're all about that. We, we have, you know, there's different, you know, kids, uh, you know, orphans that we've adopted from afar that, you know, we send money to and they stay at the orphanage every year. And, and so we send that to them. There's different things that we do, but according to the Bible, that's technically not counted as my tithe. If it was my tithe, then the Lord would say that that's part of the tithe, but the Lord denotes that type of an outgo finances as what's known as an offering, which is the next area that we're going to get into. But I found that there's four primary reasons why people don't tithe. And, and four reasons, and, and I, would, I would have lumped myself into every one of these, all right? So I'm not throwing shade at anybody. Don't, I don't want anybody to feel guilty or what have you. But these are the four primary reasons that I found myself before I tithed why I didn't tithe. Number one, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Number two, I wasn't really a good steward of my finances. I, I really didn't understand budgeting. It's amazing. I learned all these things in school, except things that actually really mattered that I could put into practice in my life on a day-to-day -day basis, like budgeting. I think budgeting should be a required class for every, if we're going to teach them sex education and transgender stuff, I think that we should probably institute teaching them how to manage their finances, just a thought. Number one, they don't know. Number two, poor steward. Number three, they're greedy. I wouldn't have told you I was greedy, but there was an area in my life before Christ, I was kind of living for me, right? Me, myself, and I, my three favorite, favorite people in the world. Number four, they're afraid. And I think that's probably the biggest one that most people struggle with. They're afraid. And if you don't currently tithe, I, I would just encourage you, get to the root why. Why, why? Why don't you? Like, where's the root of that? Where, where, where's the, the, the thought that I can obey God in all these other areas, but I'm not gonna obey him in this area? Where, where does that come from? And I'd encourage you, do business with the Lord on that. Jesus spoke about the, the, the love of money, and, and he, he talked about you can't serve God and serve mammon, you can't serve money at the same time. And when I was afraid, I'm like, Lord, if I give you that, then how am I gonna make it? And the Lord's, Challenging me on budgeting. Lord, if, if I give you, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to pay this. The Lord's, well, son, you can be more diligent in your finances. And so I began to, it was a process I began to walk through with the Lord, but really at the, at the core of it, I had fear because I felt like I had trusted God and he didn't show up. Or I trusted God and he didn't show up, but the reality was is because I wasn't a good steward. I, I didn't want to point the finger at me. It's easier to point the finger at him. What's the root of it? What's the root in terms of the generosity? And sin is anything that separates us from God. And sin boils down to us worrying that God may not be looking out for our best interests. Matthew 15, verse eight, Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts aren't, they're not with me. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And maybe you're here today and you've blown it financially. Maybe you've made some really dumb decisions. Uh, I've been there, I've done it. Maybe you're here today and you're like swallowed up in debt right now and you cannot breathe, I get it. Maybe you're here today and you're a, a single parent and you're struggling to pay your bills, et cetera. Would, you, would somebody say, really, you should go tithe? 
I actually would say yes, that when you trust God with your first and your best, he blesses you. There's a pattern of blessing. And even in those times, he shows up and provides for you supernaturally. He may not provide for you the way you think you need provision, but he provides for you. And I just wonder what could your life look like if you just drew a line in the stand and you just said, all right, from this moment forward, Lord, I'm gonna tithe 10% of everything that you pour out and bless me with. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tithe. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take you at your word. I'm gonna test you in this. Like, like, it's, like the prophet Malachi said, I'm gonna test you in this. What could really happen? I, I wanna encourage you to challenge and do business with the Lord and have that conversation. And I, I'm telling you, I, I, all, of all the wealthy people that I've ever met, all the wealthy Christians that I know, every single one of them tithes. Not one of them. The, the friends that I have that don't tithe, they're the ones that try to argue the different scriptures and did God say this and was tithing around before the law and we're not under the law, but I'm not, I'm not gonna murder somebody, but that's a different law that I'll obey. But this law, I just don't know if I wanna obey. Like they pick and choose what they wanna do and they're so intelligent in so many respects, but they're also not financially prospering. They're kind of like just treading water. But I don't know one person that's wealthy that doesn't tithe as a Christian. I just would encourage you, if you really want to see the blessings of God explode in your life, tithe. And maybe you've blown it. And if you've blown it and you've done some things and you're like, man, Lord, have mercy on me. Lamentations chapter three is for you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. So Malachi 3.10, the reminder, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings there won't be room enough to store it in. Returning to the tithe to the Lord, honoring the Lord with your first fruits, the first and the best, just like that analogy of the 40-hour work week, the first four hours, they're for you, God. And why does he do this? I believe that he does this and institutes it because he wants us to remember him. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, you shall remember the Lord for it's he who gives you the power to get wealth and he confirms that covenant with you. So the first area of generosity is, is tithes. The second area is offerings. Offerings is actually where things kind of get fun. Offerings is where you get to partner with God and be led by the spirit in different areas. So that missionary that you have that you're friends with in Africa, that, that family member that's going through a difficult time, that student that you wanna help send to a, a church camp, et cetera, those are offerings. Those are times where you get to partner with God and be Holy Spirit led in your giving. And offerings, the Bible refers to them as seeds that we sow. So it's a seed that you sow. Well, if a seed, if you sow a seed, then you should also expect to see a harvest. A lot of people just stay like at a bare minimum and the tithing, they're blessed, yes, but where they really accelerate their blessings in their lives financially is honestly when they begin to partake and take part in different offerings. And so the second area is offerings. So like I said, at Authentic Church, we do three offerings a year. And um, the next offering that we're doing is our legacy offering. And quite honestly, the, the tithes, your faithfulness and tithes help to cover the operational costs of the church all year long, but the offerings accelerate the vision, if that makes sense. And Galatians chapter six, verse seven says this about offerings. It says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. For whatever one sows, he will also reap. Luke six thirty eight. give 
and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So we're going to have a legacy offering here in a few weeks. And I would encourage you, prayerfully consider what you would sow into that offering. Last year, we had an offering that went towards evangelism, and you, in your generosity, raised $5,000. You guys gave $5,000 towards evangelism. And we were able to utilize that a few months later when uh, there was a few pastors that got together and we thought, wouldn't it be so cool to have a baptized SoCal event? And it was led by some of our friends at Oceans Church down in Irvine and my buddy Mark Francie. And we began to talk what it could look like if we rallied all the churches around it. And oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could get some buses down there and we could rent some space, we could do this, that, and the other. Anyways, the, 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 the budget began to go chuk, 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 chuk. And nice thing was, we actually had a budget sitting there from your generosity in our legacy offering back in December of 2022 that we were able to put towards that. And so we were able to sow that seed into Baptize SoCal of $5,000. And would you know there was close to 5,000 people that got water baptized? Like amazing. You just don't know what you're gonna see when you sow that seed. So tithes, offerings, and the third area is alms for the poor. And how it plays out here at Authentic Church is we have a designated fund that we call a benevolence fund. The benevolence fund is to help those that are going through challenging times. And man, if you've ever gone through a challenging time and you've received the benevolence of somebody else, you're grateful. And so we have a benevolence fund that's set up and we have certain parameters um, that the, the elders of the church reviews. There's a, there's a formal process so that we're making sure that we're good stewards of the benevolence fund. So if you give to that, we wanna make sure it goes to somebody that truly, truly needs it. And so we have a benevolence fund here at the church. And you see that pattern in scriptures, Boaz and Ruth, right? The whole story of Ruth was the fact that she was the recipients of the generosity, the benevolence, the alms for the poor, if you will, from Boaz. There, there's a pattern of scripture. The, Jesus said, you're always gonna have the poor with you. There's always gonna be people that are poor and we wanna do our best to help them to take care of their needs and necessities. So here's the deal. Whoever God is to you, if he's an abundant God, he's gonna shine abundance. If you view God as a miser, angry, looking at every little detail of your life and what you screwed up on, guess what? That's who you're gonna be representing as you share God with other people. That's the kind of parent that you're gonna be. That's the kind of friend that you're gonna be. But if you look at God as like this abundant God where he's blessing, he's a compassionate father, he's looking for ways to blessing, blessing to flow and he wants to partner with his kids. If you look at God that way, then he's gonna come alongside of you and he's gonna help you and me and the rest of us as Christians transform the planet in Jesus' name. I'm gonna end with this, Deuteronomy 8.18. I just wanna go back to the scripture. You shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. So God establishes a covenant. He invites us into that. And he gives us the power. And when we tithe, when we participate in offerings, when we participate in helping those that are less fortunate, 
Man, that's the smile of God. You're partnering with him and you're remembering it's all from you. And it's all for you. So every paycheck, when we tithe as a family, it's a reminder to our family that it's not mom and dad. It's really from the Lord. The Lord is the one. And so as we close today, I just wanna ask you to just close your eyes and bow your heads in this moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? What are you sharing with me today in this message? What would you, what would you have me do? And maybe you're here and this is brand new to you. You've never heard anything like this. I would encourage you, don't take my word for it. Read, read the word. Take the scriptures and look at them and put them into practice in your life. Just like I said at the beginning, we hear and obey. We sow and we pray. We reap and we rest. Or maybe you're here and, man, truth is, you haven't been a good steward. And you can relate to my story where, man, I was not being a good steward of the finances God blessed me with and I had got myself into debt and was spending money on things that really didn't have an eternal value to it and I just was swallowed up by that and not putting God first and maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're in a situation right now where you just haven't been a good steward and, and the Lord would say, I love you. I forgive you and your, his mercies are new for you and he's inviting you now to get things right, to be a good steward of everything that he's given you, that it's truly a gift. That that job, that business, that opportunity that you're in right now, it was once a, a bullet point on a prayer list that you have. And now you're complaining about it and you want out of it. But the Lord's like, I put you there for a purpose, my daughter. I put you there for a purpose, my son. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. Let's commit to being good stewards of everything that God gives us. And just like that scripture in Deuteronomy, remember the Lord. The whole theme of the book of De Deuteronomy, it's known as the book of remembrance. It's, it's, it's a compilation of sermons that Moses preached over the last 40 days before he transitioned leadership to Joshua. And there's sermons he preached, but it was from the Lord to the people of Israel. And he wasn't gonna be there anymore. Joshua is going to be a new leader and the children of Israel, they, the ones that Joshua is leading, they, they weren't there when they came out of Egypt. They, they weren't there when they crossed the Red Sea and they weren't, they weren't there to see the manna fall from the sky. And the Lord wanted to remind them, you're going to get into a land, you're going to get into a place where you think you got you here. He's saying, but I want you to remember that it was me who brought you here. That it was me who gave you the power to create that. I want you to remember that so that you set your family up in accordance with what I've laid out, that you set your finances up properly, that there's an order to it. And if you'll make God first place in every area of your life, well, the rest of the areas will be blessed. Remember the Lord, remember the Lord. As we come into the holiday season, I think that's a good reminder for all of us is in all of our fun and all the parties and all the giving and all the eating and everything. Could we just remember the Lord? And all of our gift giving, could we remember the Lord? 
and all our, all of our doing and running around and activities that we had, could we pause and just really remember the Lord every day? God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that I can get into this car, even if I'm anointing it with oil every week. God, I thank you I got a car. Thank you for giving, getting me from A to B. Thank you for food on the table. Thank you for clothes. Thank you for a bed to sleep in. God, thank you. Remember the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. So everything we're sharing today is brand new to you. And you're like, I don't have a, if, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I tell you this, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life that no one, no one goes to the Father. Nobody goes to heaven except by Christ. It's nothing you can do. It's nothing you can earn. Uh, you'll never be good enough. You, you can't pay your penance of sins and somehow get into heaven. It's only by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, that means he's over everything. That means he calls the shots that you don't. If you're here today and you don't know if you're really truly going to heaven, I would encourage you today to receive Jesus. And it's as simple as just praying a prayer and saying, Jesus, would you forgive me of all my sins? Would you forgive me for living life apart from you? I put my faith and my hope and my trust in you in this moment right now, God, and I ask you to forgive me. Would you just wipe the slate clean? I wanna have a relationship with you. I wanna know you more. I wanna grow in relationship with you. God, I wanna know you more. Would you show yourself to me? I believe, Jesus, that you are the son of God, that you really lived, died, and rose again. And I put my faith in you today. Would you just do something fresh in my heart, my mind, my life? If you're here today and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, a prayer, something like that, from your heart to him, that's it. That's where it begins. But he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants you to be planted in a life-giving church. If you're local, I believe that he brought you here today because he wants you to be planted at Authentic Church. I'd be so bold enough to say that I believe that he brought you here today to allow me to be your pastor to be able to pastor, to coach you, to encourage you, to teach the things of God and see your roots go down, that you would have encounters with God, that you would discover community here in this church and that you would be raised up to fulfill the call of God on your life. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.